Welcome back to the Weighing In Podcast presented by Track Wrestling. This is episode 106. I'm your host, Alex Steen. On the line, as always, David Mirakitani. Uh David, it's snowing here, and I, I don't care for it. <laughs> it is the coldest November 13th in St. Louis in the last 27 years. Wow. So I, I heard that today. Um, you know, I kind of... I traveled a lot in September and October, so I wasn't like when you live out of a suitcase, you don't really pay a lot of attention. You're just, you know, you just change the thermostat in the hotel room. But I think it feels to me like there were two weeks of fall, and then <laughs> like it was. But St. Louis is always like that. It'll be 80, and then it'll be 30, and you know, like literally a span of 24 hours. So, but it's not. It does feel like wrestling season weather, though, right? Like. You know, we all wrestled, and you come out of the locker room, and you can, you know, see your breath, and it's cold, and you need a stocking cap. That stuff all feels real now. Yeah, I mean, I was playing golf all the way through October, and November hit the first weekend. I was still playing. It was like, well, it's not quite wrestling season yet, even though we're watching wrestling. But, yeah, now it feels like it. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. And, of course, D1 wrestling is here. Uh, second weekend of the season was last weekend. We'll go through all the weights today. Um, under 23 world championships is underway. Uh, rough start for Team USA and Greco, but women's freestyle and men's freestyle are coming right up. Uh, it's it's just a lot going on. Uh, what do you think, David? What's what are you looking forward to this week? I know we'll get into it a little bit more later in the show. Some great duels, and then uh, I help Lindenwood do the seating for the Lindenwood Open. So shout out to Jimmy Rollins and those guys over there. Um, so I'll you know that's in St. Charles, Missouri, which is a suburb about 25 minutes away from where I live. So I'll be out there most of Saturday. And uh, I think they have like 400 and some odd kids coming to that event between the freshman, sophomore, and the open division. And then some team duels that are interesting, and we'll, we'll circle back to them, but Lehigh, Michigan, Princeton, Iowa, Virginia Tech, Mizzou, North Carolina, ASU, Oklahoma State, South Dakota State, Ohio State, ASU, and then Oklahoma State, Minnesota are kind of a couple that jump off the page. Definitely. And between that and the under 23s, we'll have another long week of great wrestling. So uh, we got that to look forward to. Um, so let's start right off the bat with 125. We might have to shake up the order of this at some point. But uh, for now, let's start at 125. What jumps out at you from last week's results? So really, there wasn't a lot of change at all in the top 21. The only exception is Rico Montoya. And for people that don't know, I do the rankings. I call Alex when I need help. And then uh, he does a great job of pointing out, like, sort of the, the major events of the weekend. So 25, Montoya came down from 33, where he was ranked 13th and 14th the first two weeks there. He slapped in at 11. Um, we did that based on him being a round of 16 guy a year ago. And that put him above Connor Stram and that crew who are uh, around a seven, you know, round of 25 or whatever you want to call it. And, and behind on the same level as Hayes, Russell, Milhoff, and Piotrowski. And then also, um, Drew Hildebrandt beat Drew Matten. So Drew Matten's had a less than awesome start. And uh, Patrick Glory will probably move up a little bit. I saw he beat Devin Schroeder and Schroeder had beaten Gabe Townsell, so even if nothing changes, we'll probably make that adjustment next week and move them up at least a couple slots. But nothing really – I mean, uh, Christian Moody lost to Nick Farrow, and uh, Farrow's a big 25-pounder, and he's the backup if Schramm's healthy. But I actually coached against him with uh, Josh Saunders, and he's a big kid. So, uh, I mean, he could cause some problems down there as well. Yeah, I'm glad you told people that you called me for help on the rankings, but I believe when you called this weekend, I just laughed at you when you started reciting all upsets. So I didn't say you were helpful. Yeah, I'm, I'm not always helpful. Uh, sometimes I just laugh because it's it's a good time for me. Um, yeah. One other interesting note at 125, uh, Andrew Perelka, I hope I'm getting that name right, from John Carroll. <laughs> true freshman from Brecksville, Ohio, goes out and pins Brick and Mead and Liam Cronin to win the Ohio Intercollegiate. That's that's a big win for him. Uh, lower division guys coming up and showing they compete on the D1 level is always fun to see. Uh, it's 
always it's kind of a cool feature of the early season when we get a little bit of mixed competition so that was fun to see um all right moving up to 133 um let's see obviously we saw rby come out uh for penn state and win his first match in college uh i think i think the big takeaway from that one was how good he looked on top uh you never know what true freshmen are going to look like on the mat uh, we didn't see him on bottom much so that wasn't an issue but uh, dominant on top and pin tim rooney of kent state uh, what else did you see at 133 david well you know obviously rooney wrestled the santo a lot closer than he wrestled uh rby so i mean i moved rby rby in at 25 and part of that was i just think he deserves to be in and part of it is there were some guys at the bottom that took some losses. Uh, DeSanto tech fought Nickel, which is interesting because Nickel, uh, you know, they're 9 and 15, and they were 10 and 13 going into that week, so it feels like there's a bigger gap there. Tucker beating Arujao is very interesting. I've never been a guy that believes because person A can beat person B in the wrestle-off, they should start. But I think... Cornell is happy with this because I think they want to get Vito down to 25. And Vito was a guy, again, that with Josh, we, you know, had a chance to wrestle against him and coach against him. And he's really long and thin for that. For He was wrestling at 60 kilos, which is 132. So 125 on a one-hour weigh-in is going to be tough. But I think that's what's better for Cornell's team. And then uh, Brandon Patel, uh beat uh, Montori Bridges. So that was pretty surprising as well because he's a backup. So, you know, Bridges dropped from 8 to 14. And we're going to talk about some guys that have dropped, and they all didn't drop the same amount of spots. It's probably worth saying to a lot of guys, like, about guys, like, well, what's their big signature win? Because that's kind of their ceiling. I mean, Bridges' big signature win was Cade Brock a year ago, and that's kind of when Oklahoma State really just kind of crapped the bed up there in Wyoming where uh, Nick, uh, where uh, Heil lost and where Brock lost, and I think that altitude really got to him. So it didn't drop him any further, but I felt like with Bridges losing to Pato and Tucker beating a Rouge out, that he had to drop at least that far. So, you know, it's kind of debatable. Uh, you know, but Bridges certainly had a chance to work his way back up. Yeah, it's always tough early in the season balancing last year's resume with what they are this year as we slowly learn that because, you know, everybody takes losses now and then. Well, not everybody, but almost everybody. Uh, so it's hard to balance that. Um, and, yeah, like you said, he'll have a chance to work his way back up. I, Cornell is kind of loaded uh, low-key at the low weights because – even if Arujo drops to 125, they've got Noah Bauman, who's rock solid. And they've got Dom LaJoy, who's kind of flying under the radar down there. Um, obviously, Arujo is the more heralded recruit um, in that group. But, uh, you know, he's it's not a walkover, especially with that kind of cut uh, for him down there. So I'm sure Cornell would like to see that to get both Tucker and Vito in the lineup. But uh, they've got a lot of options all of a sudden. Um, it was also good to see Mickey Phillippe beat Sean Nickel. Boy, Nickel wrestled a really tough schedule um, already. But, uh, you know, Phillippe started out at Virginia, transferred, had to sit out last year, and finally getting on the mat and getting a win, that's always a good thing. like to see that. For sure. Yeah. And that's a good win for him. Like you said, you know, Nickel had a tough schedule, but all you can do is, you know, wrestle the guys that are put in front of you. We also moved uh, Mario Guillen from Ohio in. He had beaten uh, – you know, Gonzer, and they had another, you know, he had a couple good wins over the first two weeks. He, would, he had beaten Tudelo the week before, so. And we've got a guy like Austin Gomez kind of waiting to get him into the rankings, kind of like RBY was last week, you know, was last week, so. Right. Moving up to 141 pounds, had a couple of, uh, couple of youngsters do well over the weekend. Uh, I think everybody kind of caught Dom Demas having a nice weekend beating Sam Turner and Kyle Shoup and uh, Nate Lemix from Purdue out of the journeyman uh, looked good overall uh, took one loss last weekend and kind of turned it around this weekend, especially beating Lemix. That, that's a really solid win uh, doing good things for Oklahoma. Um, 
what else stood out to you, uh, 140, uh, 141? Well, for sure, Demas, he's a kid that made like six or seven world team trials finals in Greco and freestyle, wrestled everywhere. So th this was the one, this was the way that I probably had the biggest argument with my friend Mark Ostrainer. He helps me with these. So I'll ask you what you think. Chad Red was ranked sixth. He lost to Krivis and he lost to Matt Finley from Utah Valley. I dropped him the ninth. And I kept him ahead of the round of 16 guys from a year ago, like Nick Gill. And I just couldn't feel like I could rank him behind Max Murin, who, you know, is just starting his career. Or a Ryan Deal or a Brian Lantry or a Moran, who is probably going to be good but wasn't a starter last year. My argument was I can't rank Chad Red behind Tristan Moran. Tristan Moran didn't beat out Dean Heil last year, and Chad Red pinned Dean Heil to end his career. So I could see maybe dropping him at the very most to 13, but I tend to give guys that were all Americans, and especially like Chad Red got the signature win of the guys not in the top eight at this weight class. I mean, but if it were you, how far would you have dropped him? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, when we, when I was doing rankings for the Open Mat, we tried not to factor in the previous year after the initial rankings. Um, so my rankings changed dramatically early in the season, um, which was kind of nice because I didn't have to face this sort of question. You know, I didn't have to weigh last year's victories with what they are this year. Um, so in, in that scenario, obviously, I would have dropped Chad Red farther. With what you're looking at, I think I buy your argument for one loss. I think I would have dropped him farther because of two losses. Um, one is a blip. And two is kind of a trend to me. Um, so I think I dropped him a little farther. I think I've, I'm more upset that Matt Findlay is not in the rankings um, after beating Chad Red and then Van Brill from Rutgers. And I realize it's it's the younger Van Brill uh, that's not quite as good. But uh, getting those two wins, I would have put him in. Yeah, he was actually at 26. And it, it was tough because down at the bottom, like Sam Turner dropped and uh, – you know, like we have Krivis at 22, and Chris Debian, who had a good win, beat Austin Headley. He came in, but like, yeah, Finley and Conrath are probably the next two guys in. It's just tough because a lot of these guys haven't had, you know, action yet. Like, I mean, Jamel Morris had a good tournament the week before, and then had a bad weekend at uh, Journeyman. So, I think that. And we talked about this, Andy and I talked about this last year, like, I get that if I was ranked, I would want to be ranked 17th and not 25th, but team point-wise, it makes no difference. They all score one. Right. And the same thing, 13th and 16, and the same weekend, 9th and 12, and if people saw our Google document, they're tiers, and they're literally color-coded so that you can see that. Like, there's a huge difference between 8th and 9th. It's three and a half team points. There's no difference between ninth and 12th and only a half a team point. There's literally one team point between ninth and 25th. Right. So I think Finley will probably come in. I mean, you know, Mark will be happy to hear that you would have dropped red further that will, you know, he thinks you're smarter than I am anyway. So that will certainly make him, you know, feel right. Maybe you guys are right. Uh, and certainly red's on a really short lease now, right? Like, right. Now he loses his three losses and he drops dramatically. Yeah. And and Finley's on a, a good short leash. Like anybody screws up above him and he goes in. Right. Yeah, and it's it's always interesting because I think and this is always hard to prove because it's more of a feel thing, but Chad Red losing twice in the same weekend where you have to take that, you know, immediately and factor it in and decide where to put him versus if he had lost those two matches spaced out over a week. So if he lost this weekend and then lost <laughs> next weekend, I bet he would drop farther if he lost again next weekend. But since he lost twice in the same day, it's harder to take that in, I think, sometimes. And, uh, you know, there's no right or wrong answer there. Um, I no, well, I think you guys are probably right. I'm probably wrong. But your point about him losing in the same day, like, I coached a lot of guys to cut their weight wrong, and they would wrestle like crap. And 
because they'd wrestle like crap the whole day. Right. You know, and then they get their weight right the next week. And, you know, yeah. I mean, I had a kid that lost at the regionals, and two weeks later he won the nationals, and the guy he lost to didn't even place. Right. Because he cut his weight wrong. So um, it doesn't mean that the guy that got the win doesn't deserve it. So, like, you know, Krivis was an interesting guy, you know, and Finley, you know, it's probably my fault with Finley. I mean, he was on a mission, you know, he, you know, it's like he's not on the radar at all, right? Like, right. you know, wasn't even like on our list of guys you go, well, if anybody falls out, this is a guy to look for. But Utah Valley had a good tournament out there. They, I mean, they got a lot of guys on the radar and had some good wins. Yeah, I mean, they're into the top 25 of the coaches' poll as well, uh, which is a big thing after they beat Rutgers in a duel. That's cool to see. I mean, you know, Findlay didn't – frankly, he didn't deserve to be on the radar. He was only 11-9 and nine last year. He obviously had some matches where he flashed talent, but uh, he did not – you know, he didn't really do anything to say, oh, yeah, that guy's going to take a huge leap. Um, but it looks like early in the season he may be doing it. So he's on our radar now, that's for sure. Yeah, most definitely. Moving up to 149 pounds, uh, the standout result of the re- weekend was Russell Rolfing of Cal State Bakersfield um, upsetting Pat Lugo from Iowa, which uh, it was a very interesting match, close. Uh, if you've ever seen Rolfing wrestle, he's very long, presents some in- interesting challenges to wrestlers. Um, David, what would you make of that, and what else stood out to you? Really that was about it because i mean what we do is we keep columns of the guys from the week before and literally the only guy that moved was lugo and rolfing like everybody else just slid up or down a spot based on them and russell rolfing might be like this year's tommy thorne or last year's kennedy monday you know like where they beat guys above them and they lose to guys below them and they have this super wide variance and they're very difficult to rank. I mean, Rolfing beats Lugo and then loses to Cole Martin in the next round. And so that got Russell Rolfing in. I dropped Lugo from eight to 12. And I dropped, I, I stopped him above Maruka, who probably was the best backup in the country at the weight last year. And then Maruka's above guys that were rounded 24s like Blees and Bannister and Olivas and Garcia. So, and again, it becomes a body of work issue. So, you know, Lugo's going to obviously have a huge shot to move back up in the ranking because he wrestles Kalazic this weekend. But, you know, right now, and, and Mark made a good point. He's like, we're judging people on this year's, you know, this year's results. Well, I guess, but, you know, like if somebody went 0-1, or one and one, or even two and one, would you just rank everybody in the country that was undefeated ahead of that guy? Like, I mean, no, right? Like, that's not how it works. Right. So it, it becomes difficult, and there is no formula. And that's why even when at the Nationals, when they use the criteria to start the seeding process, people complain because – it's like almost like the college football thing where it's the eyeball test versus, you know, like all these, you know, like the Sager and power rankings and all these other things. I think the better thing about our sport is, you know, you can, doesn't matter how bad your season was, you can qualify for the national tournament. And if you had a great season and wrestled terribly at your regional, unless a bunch of guys did that, you'll still get to the show. Yeah, I think it does a pretty good job overall. And, you know, I, it, it's telling to me that the complaints about seeding have gone down a lot from where they used to be since they introduced the automated system. It's not perfect, but it's fair. And it, you know, it's funny because people will say, well, you know, I can spot the, the place where they're underseeded, but almost always those are guys that wrestled partial seasons or got hurt or something like that where there's a reason why they don't fit the system anymore. Um, so it's interesting, you, you know, you talk about that. It, it's going to be interesting to see with Pat Lugo, if he can work his way back up, you obviously look at some guys in that top 15 range in that weight, and he's got more wins long-term than they do. Um, but part of that is he's been around for longer than some of those guys. So it'll be interesting to see. Iowa definitely needs him to pop back up and to wrestle better. 
um, if they're going to challenge, you know, especially for second or first, they need him. Um, and we'll see. He's, you know, he's been to the round of 12, but he's never punched his ticket through to the podium. So that's a lot of different, you know, his differential in points right now is wide because, you know, he could get up, challenge for that top four, or he could be around a, tw- around a 12 victim that doesn't score you a lot of points. So that's a big range. Yeah. Right it's a great point. And the other thing is like, again, when I was talking to Mark, he's like, well, we got to drop this guy. He was another guy that thought he had to drop a lot more. And I don't think you can just, and Mark wasn't saying this, but you can't just randomly go, okay, you lose, you drop 10 spots. It's like, who are you dropping behind? Right. And, you know, like, I mean, this is, you know, I, I mentioned the Sagar and power rankings. So I'll just keep using weird analogies that don't necessarily tie to wrestling, but like in the golf or the tennis, the number one rankings, they're rolling periods of time. The right. golf is two years. So, you know, like something that happened 24 months ago and a week falls off and something happened this last weekend, you know, comes on to your, your body of work. So if you sort of think of it that way, they don't just go, oh, well, David Maricatani won the, you know, the Waste Management Open. Now he's the number one guy in the world. Like, no, 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 no. A guy just got a hot putter for four days. You know, like that. I think that's a more realistic way to judge it. You can't just draw a line in the sand. I mean, we do that once a year, every March. We draw a line in the sand and go, okay, now we wrestle. Right. And whoever wins, wins. But I think in terms of ranking and seeding, a body of work is a much better way to do it. Yeah, I agree. And I, one of the things I always didn't like about the approach that we did at the Open Mat is I felt like we kind of punished guys for wrestling because – you sit out and you don't wrestle. I mean, we would eventually drop people from those rankings if you sat out too long. But, you know, if you sit out these early season tournaments, first couple of weeks and don't take any losses, you're not going to drop in anybody's rankings. But You can actually move up. Yeah. And if you go out and wrestle and somebody beats you, you know, okay, that happens. But if you wrestle enough matches, you're going to get upset at some point. So, you know, like I said, one loss, drop them a little bit. Two losses, maybe you reevaluate a little more. But, you want you want guys wrestling, um, so it's it's a balancing act, and you know there's like I said no right answer, but you got to move guys, but it doesn't make any sense to drop Chad Red out of the top twenty five either. So <laughs> I think yeah, and I think the other weird thing to think about is so like I remember Open Mat because when we first did our rankings, you know Andy Hamilton was like, well, what's your criteria on guys sitting out? And you know I looked around and I, I read what Open Mats was. I said, well, how does that work with like a Kyle Snyder? Right. Like, you know, are we going to drop him because he's, you know, wrestling at the Medved or something, you know, Regan or whatever, yeah. you know, like really, because dropping him at the weight class, everybody who follows wrestling goes, okay, but he's really still number one. Right. But it screws up the team rankings a ton. Yeah. You know, it takes 20 points off of Ohio state and artificially inflates a bunch of other guys. Yeah. Yeah. The intent so, is always to do that. I mean, you got to realize how long they've been doing it. When it first started, it was hard to get information. And so the intent was, if we haven't seen a guy and we don't have any, you know, information on when he's coming back, we'll drop him because he might be out all year. We don't know. So guys like sure. Snyder, you shouldn't be dropping because we knew when he was coming back. Um, but yeah, it gets to be, especially now, it gets to be a very interesting judgment call in a lot of situations because okay we know this guy's coming back in a month do you drop him because maybe he won't be back in a month or do you you know it, it it's right. not easy to implement um it sounds simple enough to have a hard and fast rule but the judgment call comes into play pretty quickly unfortunately yeah most definitely uh moving up to 157 pounds I have notes on three guys, and I don't think any of them are ranked. So, what stood out to you this weekend? Well, your notes are about Josh Humphrey beating, you know, Ladnier, Santoro, and D'Angelo. Um, I talked to Joe Dubuque, and um, we took D'Angelo out. He's taking a gray shirt here, which I didn't know. So, thanks, Joe, for letting us know that. Uh, and then Will Lewine. Uh, lost to Elijah Cleary, who lost to Keyshawn Hayes. Now, what's interesting about that is Will Luan beat Alec Pantaleo the week before. And then Keyshawn Hayes, you know, you could argue, okay, well, Hayes beat 
clear. He clearly beat Luan. Luan beat Pantaleo. So now, you know, Hayes moves above him. Clearly we didn't, or obviously we didn't do that. You know, and then the whole argument would be, well, if that was the case and Alec Pantaleo went down, you know, Micah Jordan beat Keyshawn Hayes in a wrestle-off. So now Pantaleo would be behind Micah, even though he's got a winning record against him. So uh, it's kind of a mess, especially when you have these sort of inter-squad matches. Because Mike had a really close match with Sammy Sasso at 49. So, I mean, not a lot of change. Uh, Van Brill had two, you know, he lost to Lamont and to Major from App, App State. Smythe lost to Hartman from Bucknell. So, Lamont is a guy that, I mean, we were going to put him in, but then he lost to Justin Thomas, and Justin Thomas is our 26th guy. So, it made it a little tough to do that. And, I mean, again, the problem is we got guys ranked that haven't really wrestled. Right. So, so you know, you kind of give everybody a couple weeks, you know, but, like, you know, we really haven't seen a lot from, like, Willett's wrestled, you know, but we haven't seen much out of Shomers yet, but I mean, he'll wrestle this weekend. And, you know, you kind of go through the list. A lot of these guys, if they, they either haven't wrestled or really haven't wrestled anybody to test them. So, uh you know, we'll kind of see how that goes. But, you know, there's certainly some guys knocking on the door here. Also, probably the biggest thing is that Shield is moving up to 165. So, Pagdaleo will be the guy for Arizona State at uh, 57. Like, speaking of Arizona State, very quickly, huge recruiting week for them, getting Buciello to make the flip from Penn State and uh, Figueroa to, to commit early. So, that, you know, Zeke Jones, Lee Pritz, and that crew are doing an unbelievable job down there. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, they've had – obviously, they had that giant first class with the Valencias and all those guys, and it was just like, oh, they're going to have this huge wave. But, of course, when you sign that – all those guys, it's natural. You know, you've committed a lot of money. It's hard to follow that up. Uh, but now we're starting to see the next wave, I think. And they'll obviously, they'll get to campus before the Valencias are gone, but um, – it's kind of that next wave of the next, you know, keep building on that success that they've had. Um, and I know Zeke Jones wants to take it to the next level and certainly looks like he's lining up the recruits to be able to do that. Your point is really well taken about recruiting. That I don't think a lot of people understand. I mean, you work off of 9.9, .9, you try to find guys, financial aid, you try to find them academic money, uh, minority money, need-based money, whatever you can get. But at the end of the day, really good kids cost a lot of money most schools like to have about two to three scholarships available every year, you know, coming off the books so that they can get guys. Arizona State, you know, and I talked to Coach Fritz, and that was the year that Sean Charles was out and uh, Zeke Jones came in. And so Lee was really doing all of the recruiting. And they had had a bunch of money come off the books, and he put together the number one recruiting class in the country. But – you know, and it was a great class, and they were guys they needed, and it made them relevant. But he also knew, like, look, for the next couple of years, it's going to be a guy here or a guy there. The only way it wouldn't be would be if a bunch of guys fell off the books, and you don't want that. You want those guys to make it because you put a lot of work into them and you care about them and all those other things. Yeah, uh, so it's it's interesting to watch that happen. Uh, but they are really really moving in the right direction. Uh, one last note on 57. I'm I'm with you on the. Uh, Lewin and Pantaleo and all that stuff. I honestly, if people wanted to disregard every result between teammates for all ranking and seeding purposes, that's not quite the case. Uh, but if they wanted to, I'd be fine with that because teammate versus teammate yields weird results every year and it's impossible uh, to measure. So I'm not too worried about any of that stuff. Right. I think it's just another point of the, of explaining why doing rankings is really complex. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, moving up to 165, Ibid um, Gerald, who I, I looked over his results from last year. He was rock solid, but uh, the win over Isaiah White uh, this weekend is his biggest win to date. Uh, I think last year he looked like he was kind of knocking on the door to be national qualifier type, just missed it, uh, but he was right there. Probably if the rankings were – extended out that far he probably would have been 34th or 35th uh, but states is intent this year uh, you mentioned shields is up uh, what else did you see 
Well, we moved Shields in based on our criteria of returning All-Americans and moved him in at seventh behind Chandler Rogers. You know, Rogers was eighth, Shields was seventh, but up away. And then Isaiah White was seventh, so he would have been eighth had he won because we would have moved Shields in ahead of him. So he was going to drop one spot anyway. We, we bumped him behind Bryce Steyart, who was round of 12, McCry Lewis, who's a junior world champ, Rankin. Ramson Ashworth, who was a round of 16 guy, which was one round worse than Isaiah, but he hasn't taken a bad loss. Logan Massa was a round of 24 guy, but clearly was injured and was third in 2017. And that's where we stopped Isaiah White's fall. We kept him ahead of the other round of 24 guys like Andrew Fogarty. I mean, it, it could be Gordon Wolf or Cole Walter from Lehigh. Demetrius Romero, who's off to a nice start. And then Jonathan Berriwet. So um, the other thing is Selden Wright came down. Uh, at least we had him ranked at 74, so he's down at 65, and he he was at 19, and he plugs in at 20 at the new weight. Uh, he lost to Connor Flynn in the duel from Missouri. So um, and we didn't talk about this, but uh, Jaden Ironman pins Darian Perry, so it feels like maybe. He had a, you know, I think Mikey Carr is really good, but maybe Jaden had a bad weight cut or just, you know, maybe didn't get himself mentally ready as he should, but, you know, Jaden's back to doing Jaden things. So, you know, that was kind of interesting as well. Yeah, Ironman's one of those guys, it's kind of hard to um, look at his results, especially margin of victory, because he pins, you know, world champions every now and again. He just does that. So uh, it's, <laughs> I, I saw that result and I'm like, well, okay. You know, he's obviously favored over Sedarian Perry, obviously a better result than the one against Illinois, but, you know, that's Ironman, so what are you going to do? <laughs> that's a good way to put it, yeah. Grain of salt with that guy for sure, yeah. Right, yeah, I mean, it, it, pretty much any of the top guys, if he if he pins them, you know, you kind of shrug your shoulders, and if he loses, you shrug your shoulders. Obviously, with Sedarian Perry, you would have been surprised if he lost, but, uh, you know, technically two All-Americans going at it, so interesting match well, to watch a really interesting point of that too is like so Jaden ironman was never winning the mikey Carr match till it was over right right okay i mean i'm not saying he didn't win he certainly won he won fair and square and no bad calls or anything like that but you know he was behind the whole time so like let's say he lost that match he, he drops but how far do you drop him and then he comes back and beats sedarian perry like, I don't know if I would have even dropped him below Sedarian Perry just because, and it's nothing like personal, but Sedarian Perry was an All-American with a 500 record at best right? last year. So, like, he's not the same as a guy that was, like, the number one, like a darn stud right. who was seated and ranked super high and then took seventh. Like, that's different than this other guy that took eighth and sort of snuck his way in, you know? Yeah, certainly. And, I mean, you know, I think – if Carr had won that match, I think it would have, even in in the loss, I think it said more about Mikey Carr than it did about Ironman. Um, you know, Carr's up there. He's a tough kid. So, yeah, I mean, your point's well taken. You have to look at the big picture. Uh, it matters. I mean, Perry was a great story entering the tournament with an under 500 record, but, you know, he made a great run. Now he's got to prove that he deserves to be up there. So, you know, losing to Ironman, even by fall, is not a bad loss at all. Uh, but he's still got to prove that that whole season was less than what he is now. So we'll see what he does. Yeah, most definitely. It's well said. I just, you know, I think like, like we, you and me look at certain weights and we go, there's guys that are ranked sixth, seventh, eighth that are just hammers. And then there's other weights where like these guys rank fourth, fifth, sixth. You're like, I mean like heavyweight. I mean, we'll get, well, I'll wait till we get there. But like that weight is completely topsy turvy now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one to, to to watch and to discuss all year. So uh, we'll yeah. move up to 174. Uh, interesting note here. I mean, we talked about teammate versus teammate, but Ethan Smith beat Sean Campbell in the finals of that tournament, eight to five. So that bears keeping an eye on. And then uh, true freshman Trent Hiley from NC State beat former All-American Brandon Womack. He beat Mason Manville from Penn State, and he beat Vinny Dupre to win the Bearcat Open. Um, so big things happening for him. Um, obviously a big-time recruit, but looks like he's starting right where you'd want to as a true freshman. Yeah. So, I mean, 
you know, I would just look at the columns from the week before, and, and Walmack dropped from 18 to 22. Brett Wilson moved from like 26 or 27 onto the board at 21. And then Harvey dropped from 21 to 24 because he lost to Gallic from Lehigh. But Lehigh and North Carolina State are these guys. Well, I think I said to you offline, like, you know, Lehigh and North Carolina State would probably win the second team nationals and would definitely win the third team nationals every year. You know, so you, you tell these guys definitely have good financial aid programs and are good at recruiting depth. So, you know, Highway's probably going to redshirt behind Bullard this year. So unless he just, you know, keeps beating guys and, you know, it becomes really got to, you know, they got to get him into the lineup. But there wasn't a lot of change here. And uh, I think, you know, we're interested in, you know, I think the guy that fascinates me is Kemmer. He's super skilled, right? So, like, you don't worry about him skill-wise against really anybody except Zahid and Hall. But you also wonder, okay, jumping up 17 pounds, is, that's a real issue. You know, so how will he do with that? Yeah, and it's interesting because you add in – I mean, he's missed some t- missing some time early in the year. I, I don't think he's going to go against Princeton on Friday. So now he's adding an injury to moving up that weight. I don't think anybody doubts his wrestling skills. Like you said, I mean, you're spot on there. Uh, it's just physically you have to wonder. Um, he certainly looked like he had the frame, uh, but there's a, a thin margin um, at that weight, especially when you start getting into that top four, five, six guys. There's some quality wrestlers at that weight. So if he's not just completely there, uh, that could be a problem. But you never know. We haven't seen it yet. So uh, I, I wish we were going to see it this Friday, but it doesn't look like it. Um, hopefully sooner than later, uh, certainly for the Hawkeye fans. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously they feel good about it. I mean, you, you know, Marin, when we first heard about it, you know, I said to someone, like, I can't see Marinelli going up to 74. Like, he's really short for 65. So, I mean, him going up would be, it felt like an issue. I mean, Kemmerer's speed and and mobility and everything could make a you know could make up for a lot of other things that you know might not you know might not you know overcome size and things like that. So there's a lot of different ways that could go for sure. Certainly, um, moving up to 184. I've got I mean Aaron Brooks. He's not on a college roster uh, currently. Spending the <laughs> <laughs> spending the year at the U at the training center. Um, but he won another college open second week in a row, uh, won the Northern Colorado open. He looks great at 184. Um, there's one other big result out there. Uh, you want to call this one out, David? We've got Reen and Price. Of course. Yeah. I, I don't think we really would. I mean, so we had Reen and ranked at 11 and Price at nine. So it's, you know, significant in that Reen moving up but. You know, you and I talked about this. Like, you have a guy that makes Final X, uh, and, you know, it's it's almost like a Sidarian Perry kind of thing. Like, okay, now this guy believes in himself. He went from I think I can to I absolutely know for sure I can, right? And so, yeah, I mean, Nick Renan got smoked by David Taylor, but apparently so did everybody else in the world. So, you know, clearly not a problem, right? Right. Um, but just to make it that far to go through that process – uh, yeah, I mean, you and I know how that is. Like, you know, when, if you're not a, you're not a superstar, you're not a prodigy, like, okay, let's get to the state tournament our freshman year, maybe place. And then sophomore year, let's get on the medal stands. So we're not freaked out. And then our junior year, we're going to go try to win this sucker. You know, like, so he, that, that was a huge step for him in his, in his growth to be able to do that. So uh, I, I don't, and I think you and I have to go back and look, but I think we both picked Renan as a guy that we thought would end up being an All-American this year. Yeah, he's definitely a guy everybody had their eyes on before the season. Um, you know, you mentioned his off-season success, and he's got the pedigree from, you know, high school, and everybody saw him coming. He's not sneaking up on anybody. But at the same time, like, that's a big win to get this early in the year. Um, you know, you never know what's going to happen there. Price is a quality guy. You know, he's been a top eight seed a couple of times now, falling just short both times. Uh, you know, so he's right there. It's not that it's a super surprising result, but it's a really good indicator that Renan is already, you know, right there with the top, you know, 10 guys at this weight. Um, now, 
how high can he go? Who knows? Um, but it's nice, nice for him to get this started. And, you know, Price, I have no issues with him. You know, he's going to be fine. He's proven before that this kind of stuff doesn't rattle him. I expect him to be back uh, right there again, contending for an All-American spot. So uh, more good things about Renan than any bad things about Price from my perspective. Yeah, I agree. I also watched the Penn State duel. I don't know how much I, I learned about it, but Shakur Rashid looks – I mean, I think they apparently had fun with the walkout music, but uh, Shakur Rashid looks really good physically at 184. Nickel looked really good at 97. He, you know, he's a guy that's not ever been ripped, but just, you know, looked like the same version of him. And Kassar looked really good, physically good at heavyweight, moves really well. So. Um, I think, you know, those are some guys that, I mean, obviously Nickel, it's a given, he's really good, but Rashid might be a finalist contender at 84, which is good because Penn State needs more team points. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say they were going to struggle to punch guys into the finals. They, they've proven that over the last few years. They struggle. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's the biggest one to me. Obviously, Kassar is very interesting, but he didn't really wrestle anybody quality competition. But um, you know, Shakur Rashid, the last time he had to cut weight, he kind of struggled with it. Obviously, he was cutting more then. Um, so to see him down at 84 looking good, I'll be interested to see his first couple of close matches how he looks. But if he can handle the cut with no problems, he's going to be a problem. I mean. You saw what he could do at 197. Give him a little more length and a little more horsepower at 84, and that could be really scary. So, um, Cody Sanderson told me last year nationals he was walking around at like 92. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what he told us after the scuffle. We asked him if he was cutting weight. He said, "Nah, not at all." (laughs) So, so you know, some guys you know don't cut weight well, or just becomes a mental burden. Right. It feels like 84 is like perfect for him. Right. Like he's you know. He's not picking out, but he's eating right and, you know, all those other things. So it feels like that's a really good fit for him. Yeah, and, I mean, if he was trying to bulk up to 197 and couldn't get there, he might just, you know, make a nice choice, eat a Subway or two during the week and get to 184. <laughs> Who knows? There you go. Free shout-out to Subway. There you go. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> give me some, car, uh, some free sub cards. You feel free. <laughs> <laughs> Send those to Tulsa, Oklahoma to my boy, Alex. That's right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Moving up to 97, um, Stephen Loisoy, Loiso, I'm struggling with that last name. I don't say it very often, but he beat Eric Schultz 10 to 6, which that's a lot of points to put on Eric Schultz. And uh, Schultz also lost to Aiello from Virginia, so a tough weekend for him. Um, you know, it's funny. Schultz last year was the king of keeping matches close against some of the better guys. Uh, it's very odd to see him giving up, you know, 10 points to to Drexel and seven points to Virginia. So interesting to follow him. I'll, I'll be interested to see if there's, if that becomes a trend or if it was a bad day or what exactly happened there. But um, anytime you see a guy really that is tough on defense that starts to give it up points, start to wonder, uh, it's got to dent the confidence a little bit. What else did you see, David? Well, this way feels a lot like last year, like, you know, with the exception of nickel, like where you just, you could throw all these guys in a hat and you don't really know what's going to happen. Like, I mean, I watched, I saw Mick was the only one five to three, you know, we don't know for sure if Weigel's healthy. Uh, you know, Chris Weiler lost to Kaywood and to Malik McDonald, Malik McDonald, you know, had some good wins. Uh, yeah, Alex Hopkins, who's from the same school that I went to junior high to here in St. Louis, you know, he, he got a win over Jake Woodley. Like, I mean, this way it's going to be a pain in the rear end all year to rank. So, I mean, Malik McDonald's coming down is intriguing to me. I think he could. Uh... And then the other one was Addie Enza dropped down from 97 to 84 and lost it. He lost to Jelani Embry in the dual meet, so that created another slot here at 97. And this is one of those weights where, like, we're trying to dig guys up to rank, you know, in the top 25, not like, well, there's so many good guys here. So, Honus looks good. Your boy Tom Slay keeps moving up. I watch his name every 
every week he's creeping up a spot or two. So I think you're going to end up being right about him by the end of the year. So, uh, and Brucky hopefully will wrestle Warner this weekend. Uh, Joe Dubuque told me that Brucky should be ranked ahead of Warner based on Midlands last year. So hopefully they'll wrestle so he can prove me right or wrong. Yeah, I saw the early match notes for Iowa-Princeton. It looks like Warner is still sitting out, um, which is unfortunate for that. But uh, hopefully that changes the last minute. I know they're trying to rest him after you know his summer and world championship um, trips, but I, I don't know how long he – I mean, I'm sure he's in there working out. I'm not sure how much rest he needs. But you, know, you mentioned Lehigh's depth. It's funny because I know a couple of guys that think – Chris Weiler is the third best 197 in Lehigh's room. Um, they have Jake Jacobson and uh, Kyle Gentile as well. So, you know, more depth there. And if uh, Weiler – I know Jacobson won his bracket at the journeyman, but it wasn't the same one that Weiler was in. So, I'm not sure how much to draw from that. But they've got options. Um, it'll be interesting to see yeah. how it goes. Lehigh does an unbelievable job of recruiting depth you almost wonder if somehow those guys all fighting for their spots all year maybe is having a negative impact on them at nationals, right? Like, you know, cause they've kind of underperformed at nationals the last couple of years. So, but at the same time, the, the practice room has got to be really good, right? Yeah. I think there is definitely something to needing to make a decision. I don't know how early in the year you need to make it for sure, but I think if you still have two or three guys fighting for the spot in February, it's probably not the ideal situation and you want got one guy to run with it. But at the same time, like, you know, we've talked about it. They have guys probably two or three deep at almost every weight that if they were the guy on the team all year long, they'd probably be in the top 25. So when you've got that kind of depth, it's hard to make a clear decision because you get weird results that conflict like we've seen with Weiler and Gentile and Jacobson. So, um, you know, there's no obvious answer and they have obviously had to deal with it. You know, Price is a clear guy that he's been the guy for his time at Lehigh and has underperformed at nationals. So there's no right answer, but yeah, uh, they, uh, they're, I, I don't think their depth is a bad thing, but it hasn't helped them at nationals for sure. Right. Okay, we have gotten to heavyweight. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff to talk about at heavyweight. <sighs> Let's. So, I mean, I have down that you know Gable Stevenson beat Tanner Hall three to one in sudden victory one. That result really is one of the least interesting things about the match. Uh, we still think we still think Stevenson, or at least he's still saying he's redshirting, which is bizarre. Um, now we find out that Tanner Hall is redshirting. So that take out another former All-American from the heavyweight class and open it up a little more. Um, what is going on? Well, okay. I don't understand either one of these decisions, okay? So I was talking to a friend of mine. I said, you know, Gable Stevenson can end up being at Minnesota for seven years. <laughs> so hear me out on this. Right. He could redshirt this year, right? He, he could Olympic redshirt year the next year, and he could wrestle for three years, then Olympic redshirt year, then wrestle. And the, the problem with that is you have to – those guys come off money when they Olympic – first of all, when they redshirt, they're, they're eating up money. So that's a problem. Then those Olympic redshirts, they take you off the money because you can't be in school, but it doesn't help you recruit anybody because you can't – I can't recruit you and go, well – yeah, but after a year, I'm going to have to pull your money because he's coming back. So it creates dead money. That's the same thing that Arizona State has, and I don't understand it at all because I would think you wrestle Hall and then Colton Schultz comes in and wrestles. I think the only reason you don't do this is if you think Colton Schultz is not going to be ready to wrestle as a true freshman. Yeah. well, Because Arizona State – you know, by redshirting uh, Valencia, I mean, next year they can be loaded, right? Because they can have – they could have Brian Courtney. They could have Josiah Klein. They can have uh, Maruka. They can have Shields. They can have Anthony. They can have Zahid. They can have Cordell Norfleet. You know, and then ideally maybe Tanner Hall. Because if you look at this weight class – 
I mean, this is a weird thing. In the top 14 guys that we have ranked, 12 of them are seniors. So, you know, it's a little misleading because, you know, I mean, I think Kassar or Nevels will wrestle this year, and the other one will get a fifth year and wrestle next year. So those guys would still be in it. And then you have Gable Stevenson. I mean, I don't, I don't understand either one of these decisions, you know, especially Arizona. Well, especially Minnesota is like, I think Gable Stevenson's the favorite if he wrestles. I, I just, you know, but again, you know, I coached for a long time and we did things that people on the outside didn't understand. And we didn't just wake up and flip a coin. Like there was always reason and logic to it, but it's difficult to know the logic if you don't have all the data. Right. And so, you know, that's a big thing. Also, Sean Streck, on a very minor note, is, came out of the rankings because he's no longer on the team at Purdue. So that created another slot as well. I mean, you know, but we took Tanner Hall out, Cable Stevenson out, and Sean Streck out. And so, uh, you know, guys like Chase Singletary, we moved back in, and we moved Gannon Gremmel in. So, I mean, again, it, it's not it's not great. You know, like, you know, Singletary beat Mason Paris, but uh, you know, it was like you have the notes here. It was really close match through two periods. Right. Yeah, I mean, Singletary, uh, obviously, uh, a lot of people were worried about him after the rest loss. Uh, but beating Mason Paris, yeah, eight, seven through two periods, he was ahead by one. He was going down, and then he got a six-point reversal to really blow the match open. Uh, but then he turned around and beat Cam Teacher in the finals. That, I mean, Cam Teacher from Notre Dame is a two-time D2 finalist, so he's rock solid as well. Uh, so two good wins for Singletary. Um, that's good for the Buckeyes. Obviously, they'll be encouraged by that. Um, you know, he's 24th right now, which is about fair. Um, and we'll see if he can build on that. The thing that strikes me when you look at these rankings, though, I mean, you've got Sam Stoll, who we know, you know, has been an All-American. Nick Nevels is an All-American, but he might not even wrestle because Kassar got the start for Penn State and looked very large because um, he was <laughs> last year. And then, so... Sitting third right now is Derek White, who has never been an All-American. Fourth, Yusef Amida, who, you know, just lost to Derek White. And then Jordan Wood, Jerry Hino, Billy Miller, Matt Voss, rounding out the top eight. None of those guys have All-American honors. Like, this is a really, really thin weight on paper right now. And you mentioned all the seniors, so they're going away. And then we have this giant influx of freshman talent. This is – it's kind of – I mean, it's not – fair to say for these guys that are competing, but it's kind of a throwaway transition year almost in heavyweight where it's like, you know, anybody, anything could happen. You look down through here and I, you know, from five and six all the way down to, you know, 21, 22, 23 types. I can't pick anybody out that stands out above anybody else. Really. I mean, you rank them based on their body of work, but, would we be surprised if Joey Goodhart is an All-American or Jake Gunning or A.J. Nevels or, you know, Zach Elam? I wouldn't be, and they're all super low-ranked right now because that's what their body of work says so. So this is a really strange wait. Um, I, hope, I, I don't know if we're going to get a lot of clarification before Nationals. I mean, I'm sure we'll get some data, but this seems like one of those weights like 197 was last year where they're all going to beat each other and we're going to have no idea what's happening uh, going into March. Well, it's funny you mentioned Elon. Like, I think he actually has a good chance to be an All-American. He can get to legs, and Missouri is really good as a team at teaching guys how to ride and probably more important for him uh, to get away. You know, he, he's always, he was a good rider in high school, cradled a lot of guys up. But, you know, if he can get away, he's got leg attacks. And when you have leg attacks, you have a chance. Right. So you're right, though. But the thin part is kind of what makes you think, okay, why aren't these guys, why aren't they wrestling these guys that could win the weight, right? Right. Yeah. (laughs) I understand it a little bit from Arizona State's perspective if they think they can make a big push for a team trophy next year. I kind of get that a little bit. But – this weight is going to be a lot harder next year, um, you would expect. And 
from Minnesota's perspective, like I said, I mean, I don't, I don't understand red shirt and a guy that can win the weight. Uh, I, I, and they don't really have a team built to where next year is going to be vastly better than this year. Like I think they have several seniors and some upperclassmen. So I don't understand that one at all. And I expect that one to be overturned at some point and they decide to send Gable out there. I don't think that's going to last all year, but um, the Tanner Hall, one, I don't think, he, I don't think either one of them are going to last. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that could be true. I, I mean, it's weird when it's a freshman, especially, I mean, a true freshman like that, I kind of under you know, I kind of understand waiting to make the decision. I don't know why you would ever put Tanner Hall in red shirt. So that one I'm a little more concerned about, but we could see them both come off, no doubt. Um, the one guy, the one, I don't think I mentioned it on this program, but A.J. Neville's from Fresno State uh, at the wrestle-offs. He beat Ryan Flores from, and I don't know if you guys remember, from American University. He was a fi- NCAA finalist, a really good number one seed at least one year at the NCAA tournament. I don't know when the last time he wrestled was, but A.J. Neville's beat him in the wrestle-off. So, that's a good sign. I don't, like I said, I don't know what Flores is up to these days. I don't know what he's doing. Um, but when you beat somebody like that, it got my attention. So uh, we'll see if he can build on that and continue to push up. Obviously we talked about, there's a lot of room for improvement. So we'll see. Yeah. And I coached against Ryan Flores in the NHSCA Virginia beach finals. He wrestled Duran win. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of like a flashback, man. I'm like, yeah, I remember that dude. <laughs> so, I, I've been in a lot of I've been in a lot of corners, sir. Yeah, <laughs> I, had, I had to confirm that's who it was when I saw the result. I was like, I know that name, but really? <laughs> yeah, for sure, right? So um, we're almost to the point where we're gonna talk about what's up for next week. Uh, wanted to give a shout out to Cal Baptist who won their first win as a First, they won their first duel as a D1 team by beating Cal Poly. They've beaten D1 teams before, but now they're D1 and they got their win. So that was cool to see. Um, David, what are you looking forward to this weekend most? I think the thing that is fascinating is, like, how is Dayton Fix going to do, right? I think, you know, I mean, I think that's probably the most fascinating storyline. I, I mean, he's got Lezak and Gross. I think that's the order, right? That's how he wrestles them? Um, he's got Gross first. Lezak is Okay, so Gross, Gross Lezak. Okay. So, I mean, I'm I'm just super interested in that. Yeah. I, I, because, so here's the thing. Like, a lot of people are speculating about this, and that's fine. And I don't know more than anybody else. But I guarantee, I shouldn't say I guarantee you. I would be shocked if Dayton Fix doesn't pick down. Oklahoma State always picks down. Like, they don't care about losing in the regular season if they think it's going to make them better. It's just what they do. So, I I just – I think they're they're going to pick down. I mean, we saw with Kate Brock over and over, so I don't know why they would do it differently. So, it just becomes interesting because he's got to deal with length. Uh, but a buddy of mine goes, that kid is a winner. He always finds a way to win. And you're not wrong, but it's not like those other guys are losers. You know, <laughs> so it, it becomes a very interesting conversation, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I know Fix last year at the Reno Tournament of Champions chose neutral against Sean Foz um, in a 1-0 match and got the takedown to win. So, But I, I don't think John Smith was there. So it was not because that would not have happened. Right. So <laughs> that would not have happened. <laughs> so your point is well taken. You know, he's going to take down probably against both of these guys, and that's going to be a huge measuring stick for him. And I could see any sort, pretty much any result this weekend would not be shocking to me. I could see him winning both. I could see him losing both by a comfortable margin because if he goes under these guys, the possibility is he gets turned and suddenly the matches get out of hand. So um, it'll be interesting to see. It's a great test and it's November, so he can learn from it no matter what happens. Um, I'm glad to see Gross was back for their duel last weekend. So we're expecting that match to happen. And OSU Minnesota duels are always entertaining. So that's a cool thing. 
Um, I, like how, I like how far you went out on the limb there, how just anything could happen. That was strong. Well, you know, <laughs> a lot of times I go into these things with, with a, a feeling for, I think this is what's going to happen. And I really don't have one for fix because he's great. And, you know, your friend's saying he's a winner. That's absolutely true. But we just, you know, we've seen him wrestle a close match with Sean Foz last year and a close match with Ronnie Bresser last year. And, you know, it, it's not like he's blowing guys out that are good quality college wrestlers. And then you have these guys that are good on top. And I don't think Fix is going to be terrible on bottom by any means, but I have no idea what he's going to look like down there. So I can't possibly have a feel for that. If he got away from both, I'd be not, well, a little surprised. But I can't rule it out. So, yeah, I can't go out on a limb at all because I have no idea what's going to happen, which I enjoy. I like it when I have no idea what's going to happen. Well, I have some guys that I, I really value their opinion. And I had one guy say he's going to – like a couple – one guy who's going to win both. Another guy said he's going to lose both. Another guy said he's going to split. So, <laughs> what I find – but I, I mean, first of all, they did more than you and I did. They went out on a limb. <laughs> But it's also, I mean, they're all smart guys. So I'm like, wow, like, you know, the variance is, is really interesting there, right? Right. Yeah. So I, I find that fascinating. Yeah. So the, the two duels I'm watching this weekend, obviously, other than that, um, Lehigh at Michigan, Lehigh's pretty banged up. So I don't know if they're going to be able to uh, handle Michigan. I know they're going to have some guys sitting. Uh, but last year, Lehigh thumped Michigan. So, you know, Michigan football has been on this revenge tour. Uh, I, I think that's going to carry over to the wrestling side. I, I guarantee you they're talking about what happened last year um, and a little extra motivation with Lehigh coming in. That'll be interesting to watch. And, you know, Virginia Tech-Missouri was a really fun duel last year. And, you know, they don't have the strongest conferences. Obviously, ACC is very small, and the MAC is um, kind of down right now other than Missouri. So, those two getting together, it's good to see in the early season, and we'll get a, a good gauge of where those guys are. Um, that'll be fun to watch. Yeah, and that was the one last year where Willie Nicholas was getting smoked and then and then hit that high flyer. And, I mean, pinned him. I mean, he was buried. Yeah. But I just remember, like, man, like, this is going to screw up the rankings the whole year. Yes, <laughs> it did all year because at the top, that was an insane group of – wrestlers to rank and Jared Hot had probably the best um he had the best resume of that group that was hard to rank except for his loss to Miklas so it made it impossible and it was a loss by fall right <laughs> you know which I mean was the only way he could have lost that match and the crazy thing was he lost that because he was going for a major yes like I mean and it's so weird that you know like there's some things you can't even remember the detail. Like I can't even remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, but I mean, I remember that vividly. I'm like, Oh my God. You know, cause I mean, I'm a Mizzou, you know, Mizzou fan. I'm also, you know, friends with Tony Roby, but I was like, Oh my God, is this going to be a pain in the, in the tuchus? You know, like this is, this is terrible in terms of ranking, you know? Yeah. I mean, so, and you're a coach and I, you know, I've coached at lower levels, but you got a guy out there who's winning a match like that, going for a major and he gets caught in something like that. Do you just kind of go, yeah, it's the price of doing business. It's so tough, right? Because so here's the weird thing about that, right? Like duels don't matter, right? <laughs> right. Like duels don't matter. So you go, okay. You know, like wh what do you do with that? Right. Like, and now what does matter, which is the national tournament your guy's got a bad draw. Right. Now, I mean, you can argue, well, it's all matchups, but I mean, I, I, I didn't do all the math of, well, if he had not, you know, what would have happened if he had not had that match? Where would he have been seated and how would that bracket have gone? But I can tell you this, that is probably the one weight class where you go, it would have went differently. Yeah. Because it was just so crazy, you know? Right. So... I mean, at the same time, you coach guys to never coast, right? Right. You're always like, push for points, push for points, push for points. And that's you, – so you, first of all, you can't get mad at the guy, right? He did what you wanted him to do. Right. He's you need to, to pat him on the 
you pat them on the butt and go, don't worry about it, stud. We'll get them next time. Right. But I mean, it's 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 super annoying as a coach because you're just like, <laughs> good. You know. Yeah, I mean, and in the end, it didn't really hurt him because he ended up in the national finals and finished second. So, you know, he he made it work. But yeah, it's, that's kind of one of those. And I'm I'm with you. You know, I watched a lot of matches last year, and some of them I couldn't even tell you, you know, who it was or whatever happened. But I remember that one. I think we all do, and we will for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, holy smokes, you know, like. And again, I watch Willie Russell more than a lot of guys just because he's a Missouri guy, you know? Right. But I was like, my goodness, you know, like this is a problem for for ranking purposes for sure. Well, I will watch the matches this weekend and laugh when you call me wondering about the problems for this year. Um, You got anything else for the people before we go? No, man. It's just going to be a fun weekend. So everybody get out and watch some wrestling. Um, another shout out to Lindenwood. I'll be out there. So it'll be fun. Um, you know, and everybody have a great day. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is Alex Steen signing off.